Well, let's talk about food today. Let's do it. I'm excited. I'm so excited too. So I realized like the, probably the most asked question I get or the most basic question I get that I would love to answer is like, what is clean eating or like, how, what does that mean? How do I do it? Right. Um, So I think that's just a good place to start. Let's do it. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) So Sammy had her, um, well, we had an episode on addiction and Sammy, Mm -hmm. I kind of like kind of interviewed her and then today I'm going to talk about food. So it's not really an interview, but it's just conversation, but it's like, yeah, because there's just a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, um, I think just misconceptions about just food in general, like, um, resource wise, you know, where can we find this food? Because it may right. not always be um, easy to locate or access. Um, and what is the definition, yeah, of clean right. eating? Because, you know, we can eat whole foods. Is that the same as whole foods or is it different? You know, it's like so. you gotta go a layer deeper. Like you, mm-hmm. like the layers of the onion, you just keep feeling yeah. that. Because when I think whole foods, I'm like, well, yeah, but. <laughs> like corn's a whole food, soy. I mean, at one point it's a whole like corn, soy, wheat, um, different ingredients like that, that you would read the ingredient label and you're like, this is real food. Like what could the issue be? So my thing is all about empowerment. Like when you read an ingredient label, you should know, like, where that food came from, where was it grown? How was it grown? What practices were used? How was it processed when it went from the field to the factory onto the show? I want to interrupt you for a second. I had a really proud moment today. (laughs) My son was watching a show and they were like, do you know, have you ever wondered where the food comes from, from a restaurant? And he was like, yeah, the farm. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. (laughs) I just loved it so much because that truly is like, where is the source of your food coming from? And that's really important to identify whenever we're trying to do this. Right. And like, how is it? (laughs) That's amazing. How is it being? um, And like, even where is it being grown but how is it being grown and what type of practices are they using and this is stuff like Sammy you've probably always known I haven't really known about much of this until the past two and a half years and when I started like down the rabbit hole of the information I just became a little obsessed with finding out as much as possible because it was like driving me to keep like staying clean and that is really honestly what has helped me stay in food addiction recovery because I'm like oh I don't have to like only eat chicken and broccoli for the rest of my life I just have to like know how to read ingredient labels and make sure I'm not eating foods that are biologically addictive and you know like not only are they addictive, but some of them cause other imbalances in our bodies that lead to being malnourished or lead to chronic inflammation. And all of that's connected to our brain and the health of our brain. 
and I struggled so bad with depression so I was like oh this is gonna make me not depressed okay like why would I not do this you know and I was so desperate to almost get back on antidepressants for a while and this like saved my life like that's how strongly I feel about just eating clean and when I don't eat clean I can tell the difference like not only in how I feel but how my mind's working um so yeah what is clean eating (laughs) um so how I describe it in like a sentence or two is food that is as close to nature intended as possible so it's like that doesn't only describe what it is but how it was grown and how it was raised and treated um so that's how I describe clean eating and then the next sentence it's like if it has artificial sweeteners or um like refined sugars ultra refined wheat flour inflammatory seed oils um added flavors emulsifiers other additives, um, preservatives, it's no longer really food. Like it's a processed man-made substance that is being marketed as food. And that's crazy to think about. Like it's in the, there's very little regulation from the FDA on what can be put on the shelf and sold as food. Right. And some of them are obvious, right? Like Twinkies and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah. What are you gonna yeah, say? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, the it it sounds good, like whatever they're trying to market, but at the end of the day, all of the engineering that's gone into what they're trying to produce has either, you know, canceled out the nutrient, right. you know, content of the food. Um, or it's added so much stuff that it actually is now not as good for you as they're trying to make you believe that it is. Right. And a lot of the foods are so refined that they're having to add back in synthetic vitamins and minerals. Right. And that's not the same vitamins and minerals that are found in plants. Although like science will say that it's bioidentical in regard to its makeup, but our body doesn't recognize it mm-hmm. as bioidentical. And that goes for like supplements you buy at the grocery store, like vitamin, like multivitamins and stuff. And that's a whole other rabbit hole, I think. But in regard to, you know, certain cereals or like cereal bars, milks, juices, a lot of fortified foods, they're fortified with synthetic um, vitamins, um, like we're overloaded with iron. And it's interesting because most people read anemic, but we're overloaded with synthetic iron, which is actually um, making it harder for our body to utilize iron for iron. And I'm not like a chemist or anything, but I've been hearing more about that. Um, So that is an interesting thing that you bring up. And I don't, I, mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I, I had this conversation with my grandma probably 10 years ago mm. and the conversation that she had, cause this, it's, this woman is the one who like basically taught me everything that I know about holistic health. Okay. 
And so she was telling us that whenever you are provided with this, you know, synthetic iron and your menstrual periods are actually going to be a lot worse because your body is trying to eliminate all that synthetic iron. That is so wild that you say that. And I think about all the people that I know who really struggle with their menstruation mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm just making an observation yeah. here. I'm not saying that obviously I have not researched this because I'm just hearing you say this, but that's a really interesting thing. And that she and I had this conversation, like I said, right. probably 10 years ago, but um, maybe 15, yeah. I don't know, but I feel like, you know, she, she and my father were so onto things but they didn't even realize it. Right. And it's like, you do have this intuition sometimes about, you know, what you're ingesting, whether that is consuming food, consuming media, consuming, whatever you're consuming. Uh, if you have a feeling about something, go investigate it. Like go, you know, anything you're hearing us talk about, if that's something that's like popping up to you, this has come up for a reason go do your research and discover what you need to discover and go down that rabbit hole. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh no, it's empowerment. And you know, part of it is like, you might, you might find yourself getting too obsessed, but then you just pull back, you know, and move on to the next thing. But yeah, you're right. Well, it's good. It's good to get you started somewhere, get passionate about something. Like you said, it helped you overcome your addiction. So clearly knowledge is very powerful. Absolutely. It is. And I've like other people who I've worked with say that like, that's what drives them too. now. Like they'll walk down the grocery store aisles or they'll like pass fast food restaurants or see commercials. And they're like, ew, like, I am so mad that I'm seeing that as a commercial. That's not food. That's, you know, and that would have never been our mindset before. And something that I won't talk a lot about here, but something else that really helps people stay on track is realizing that these food companies place the ingredients in the food deliberately, and they know that it's addictive. I mean, they design these flavors and the mixture of the ultra-refined wheat flour, which by the way, what's so bad about ultra-refined wheat flour is that it has a higher glycemic than I can't talk a higher glycemic index than table sugar does. So like refined flour (laughs) spikes your blood sugar more than sugar. And if you guys don't know, like the more you spike your blood sugar, the shorter your lifespan, like that's basically just the rule of thumb. Um, And that's been proven by science a trillion times. So we want to keep our blood sugar low and stable. So a food that spikes our blood sugar higher than sugar should not be consumed, period. And there's ways to eat wheat in the way that wheat was intended to be Mm -hmm. eaten. Yeah. You know, so there's certain like, um, I typically just stick with ancient grains because it means they haven't been manipulated because even like wheat berries have been manipulated to the point of like their genetic makeup is different. Like they're more gluten heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. But like ancient grains is what I go for. And sourdough bread is is Mm -hmm. a really great option. So like there's ways to do this. It's just knowing how to do it, you know? Um, But anyways, they put wheat and they put like these these fats. So it's like 
flour, fat, sugar, they mix those, they know that's addictive, highly palatable. Um, and then you see the flavors that are added. And these food companies are designing these foods, they're hiring food scientists <laughs> to make the food addictive. And I mean, it's, it's a very real thing. Um, and people who are susceptible to addiction are even more likely to become addicted to it. There's, I don't know the exact like number, but I need to see someone, I saw it somewhere like the amount of Americans, the percentage of Americans that are active food addicts. And it has to be like- Large number. A very large percentage. And we don't even realize, you no. know, that's what's- And it's so interesting, yeah, that you're bringing this up because so yeah, a lot of my- education, you know, started with all of this stuff earlier on 15 years ago on, you know, these documentaries and things. And so I feel like they know that we have caught on to the sugar, mm-hmm. you know, yes. addictive aspect. And that whenever you're reading a food label on the right side, you have the percentage, the daily value. However, they had this approved and I don't know what year it was whenever they were able to take the sugar Um, content off because almost, you know, most things are going to be way exceeding the daily sugar intake that you're supposed to have. And so if you ever look at a food label, the part that's your daily value for sugar is not there. And so that's like kind of a red flag. So then we're all like, okay, fine. You're doing this now subconsciously. And we all know sugar is addictive, more addictive than cocaine. And that is a huge deal. That's a huge deal. So, you know, now we have these engineers who are creating another layer, like Bracey said, to keep us in the addictive phase. Yeah. And, you know, it's, they, they found out, or we found out about sugar. I watched the, if you guys are listening, watch the um, documentary Fed Up fed up. It's an old one, older, but it talks about what Sammy was just explaining all, all about sugar and how it's addictive and how the food industry is doing it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, and making us think that like, if we just eat low calorie, we'll stay healthy and it's nuts, you know, what they do with marketing. But what did you say? Oh, you know, sugar, we know by like studies and in, in mice that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. But there's not even any science on these natural flavors. So the new hot guy on the scene is an ingredient called natural flavors. And it's like a loophole created by food companies to where it can stand for up to 2,500, that's the highest number I've heard, different ingredients. So like there could be like 2,000 ingredients within this one named ingredient, which is natural flavors. And this is this is the new thing that they're, they are using to get us hooked because we found out about sugar and we found out about all this other stuff. So they're putting these flavors. MSG can be hidden inside the name natural flavors. Um, a lot of people have heard like um, vanilla flavor can come from um, a anal gland of an animal, a carrot, oh, a beaver anal gland. And I'm like, that's kind of extreme and silly, but like, 
there's another um, 60 minutes video that I posted on my Facebook a while back, but they did a whole um, segment on it that they're, that these food scientists, and it shows them in the lab, like the natural flavors just doesn't even have to be natural. It can be inspired by nature. And it doesn't have to be natural. And it's just a synthetic chemical concoction designed to make us addicted. And they're even harvesting human taste buds in Petri dishes to test the flavors. And this is all like in corporate papers. And this is the work that Dr. Mark Hyman's doing. I highly recommend the book Food Fix if you like want to geek out on this stuff with me. But he's like, and him and Michael Moss, who wrote the work, who wrote the book, Hooked. And there's another author, I can't think of his name right now, but he wrote The Dorito Effect. Um, they're like at the forefront of exposing the food industry for what's nice. happening. So ah, there's so much. It's really nice to see, you know, and they're doctors, you know, yeah, it's really exactly. nice to see these doctors who are credible, you know, professionals who are like, having integrity about who they are as a human being and exposing this to our culture, because, you know, if, if you're not looking for this, you're never going to find it. Right. And the bright side is, is that just like always they're, the, they're going to have to change their practices. So we're becoming more and more aware as consumers and how we fix this is we stop buying the stuff that has the stuff in it. 100%. And we only buy the actual real food and they will have to change what they're doing, you know, and, and consumers hold so much more power than we, than we like give ourselves credit for because money makes the world go round. So what you spend your money on is what you're going to see more of. Yeah. So. That's one way to empower yourself. Vote with your dollar um, and educate yourself. So I, I listed the top ingredients I recommend avoiding for anyone, but especially if you're looking to heal food addiction, it's the ultra refined wheat flours. Um, we talked about sugar. I think sugar is an obvious one <laughs> um, and the natural flavors and then the highly inflammatory like nut and seed and vegetable oils like um, canola oil, vegetable oil, sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, basically all of them, soybean oil, peanut oil, mm-hmm. um, an overabundance of these accumulates and causes inflammation because they're so high in omega-6 fatty acids. Um, and that's, that's one thing we're seeing with a lot of Americans is that we have, because 60% of our diet is made up of ultra processed foods. Um, our omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid ratio is just way off. Like we're supposed to be more, more even, and we're getting way more omega-6. And that's why we're seeing chronic inflammation. And a lot of doctors are saying chronic inflammation is the root of all disease. Yes. So, you know, anything that is triggering inflammation, I highly recommend staying away from it, you know, and we can't control everything. I mean, unfortunately we're breathing in pollution, which causes inflammation. So it's like Mm -hmm. what you do have control over, we get to, you know, be more aware. And, you know, when we say disease, it's like as something as simple as like asthma or as serious as cancer Um, and infertility, like you mentioned, rise. 
and you know we're exposed to a lot of endocrine disruptors and not only our food but our our um you know our body products and our house cleaners yes so yeah (laughs) it's a lot it's a it is a lot it is a lot and so you know where do you start right right um so where do you start my favorite line of advice is swap out as you run out so like cool if you can afford to go just throw everything away in your pantry and start over awesome or like donate it or whatever feels good for you um but if not you just swap out as you run out and you find the best alternative that is in alignment with your budget and what you have accessible to you and that is a rule for life in general we always do the best we can and if you are genuinely doing the best that you can, you cannot beat yourself up for not doing anymore. Right. Um, so like, I, like we said, this is a lot, this is a lot of information. You might like be brand new to this and you go look in your pantry and you're like, oh my God. And it's like, it's going to be okay. Swap out as you run out, um, you know, and add in more nutritious foods and you can kind of flood out the junk. So like start introducing more fresh foods. Um, we both are proponents of animal protein, um, fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables. And that's it. You know, like we said, you can get some, um, some like ancient grains, like you can do buckwheat. You can even do um, like gluten-free organic oatmeal you can do um like Ezekiel bread is a great option that you can find in most grocery stores not perfect it still has gluten so if you're if you struggle with gluten you may not be able to have it but um there's an alternative to mostly everything and yeah especially now look on it like and I our Facebook group my Facebook group is full of alternatives and so so how easy is it to access these things like where you live in a city yeah, I'm spoiled because I'm in Houston and I have, I go to Whole Foods, I go to Sprouts, I go to our, um, it's called HEB, it's a Texas grocery store. Um, I have Aldi, I have Trader Joe, I have Kroger, I have Costco, I have everything. So what I tell people who live in very remote cities and I've visited remote cities and I've experienced what it's like, I mean, my hometown is, is, um, definitely lacking in regard to what they offer instead Sammy that's where you are which there is a co-op there and there's farmers market so find your like local if you have a local co-op you might not even know about it you know like google right farmers markets near me or um there's even farmers who will do like partial animal or whole animal Mm -hmm. or you can like go in with friends and family to like split um, a cow for beef or a pig for pork or chickens, eggs, like there's a supporting local farmers is huge. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause I've lived, you know, I've lived in cities and I've lived obviously where I live now and where I'm from is a rural area. And it is nice to have that convenience to be able to go, you know, into these stores and just get what you're looking for. But like, I personally love the rural aspect of it. Like I don't, I personally don't mind going to, you know, different locations or going to the farmer's markets or whatever, because 
you get to not only that it, it is cheaper because when you're shopping at these grocery stores in the cities where you have this convenience, you're paying a convenience fee. Even if I'm going to go over to the only, you know, natural grocery store in my area, it's, it's a lot more expensive than if I'm going to go to a, far, a farmer's market and I'm getting it from the source from the farmer. A lot of these farmers are small, you know, scale farms. They're not using these products. I don't feel like I have to buy a certified organic, you know, produce whenever I'm actually getting it from the source from these farmers who aren't using these pesticides and aren't using things to, um, to grow their crops. And so I feel like for my budget and for my lifestyle, it actually works out better for me living in this rural area. And like, we have a lot of local meat, um, sources as well. We have a huge deer population. So like Bracey said, you can like hook up with people are constantly trying to get rid of their, um, their deer tags and stuff and share them or whatever, if they've already maxed out their, um, their allotment for the year and you can go out and get a deer and get it processed for next to nothing compared to what you're going to do buying meat all year. And so it, maybe that upfront cost is a little bit much, but being able to do that, you know, in the long run, it really does save money because I know that's an issue when it comes to this transition. It's kind of like, it, it seems like a lot. However, at the end of the day, when you're eating all these, you know, these more nutrient dense foods, you don't have to eat as much and you're reducing your volume of food by recovering from food addiction that takes a lot of money out of our pocket when we're constantly eating out or eating fast food. I cannot believe how expensive, like some of these places have gotten with their food, like restaurants even, and being able to cook your food at home. And that initially, like it said, it kind of sounds like a lot when you're making that transition, but at the end of the day, it's actually maybe going to be the same or less. I think that's, been my experience anyway and you're buying way less like packaged snacks and goods because your options are just slim in that department (laughs) and um you know those aren't necessary for life for living and you know the definition of food is a substance that is meant to nourish us and give us energy um that's it that's the only and you know there is psychologically there is there is room for the enjoyment of food I totally understand that um and when it comes to like budgeting and that being uh, something that's standing in someone's way we do get to remember that those can maybe be like a sometimes thing versus needing to have them stocked in your pantry um so that's something to think about like packaged foods that are clean. Yes. They're way more expensive. Like a freaking bag of granola is like $10. Yeah. And then not clean ones like four, you know? So yes. Um, quick packaged convenience foods are more expensive, but just the whole. That's what Sundays are for. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Make your own. Like, and it's fun. Like we were saying at the beginning, if you have kids, like just get creative, make this your hobby. That's what I've kind of done. I've been a terrible cook my whole life until about five years ago. And 
I don't know, something just clicked and I was able to cook and it's been really fun being able to, you know, do this with my son. And especially now that he's five years old and coming up with like new ideas when you've been, if you're not, you know, a natural cook and you have these like staple foods that you have in your house, like make some weird stuff that sounds good to you. Like I eat the weirdest stuff, but I'm like, all of these things sound good together. So I'm going to put them together and see how it is. And it's, and then you get to discover a new dish that you can put on a menu that you can now make again for the future. And you start to sort of build your own, you know, uh, meals that, you know, you can make quickly because the more you make them, the faster they're going to be made. You're going to know what ingredients you need. It just, it's a process. It's not something that definitely happens overnight. I said, I was a better cook overnight, but, um, that doesn't mean that everything that I made was good. I was more confident in cooking, right? That's the difference. But yeah, like I was a terrible, I mean, there were some things I would make before that was like not even edible to eat. Yeah, me too. Before with Jonathan I was terrible he taught me how to cook I've been very blessed in that department that my life partner is an incredible cook yes (laughs) I obviously like he does most of the cooking but sometimes I cook and I it is it's it really has become a hobby and it's become like who I am and it's fun. You know, it's, it's fun. Like you were saying, Sammy, like we get to make it fun. If this is something that you want, you want to be free from food. And when you were just explaining, like making food weird and like being okay with that, that is eating to live. And before we were living to eat, right? Like Mm -hmm. we were a slave to food. And then now it's just like, oh, I need to eat. I have food here at this house and I'm going to make it. Whereas when we're in active addiction or for me, like, I'm like, oh, but none of this sounds good. Like I want something that sounds good. And then have an expectation, very healthy food that sounds good. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day, how many times I would think I don't want to eat anything in my house because none of it sounds good to put together to make a meal. And now I'm like, I could put like 25 things together right now with all the food I have in my, in my fridge, in my cabinets. You know what I mean? So my daughter is doing that though. What's that? I said my oldest daughter, the six-year-old, she's already like, uh, oh, that doesn't sound good. So I think there's like, I think that's super normal when we're kids though. And then yeah, we like just go through transitions, I think. Yeah. My kid doesn't think anything sounds good. He's like, well, you just pick for me. Oh, just pick for me. And I'm like, you don't want me to pick because I'm not going to pick what you like, you know? So yeah. Well, I think a lot of times I read this somewhere that like our kids really do need us to choose for them um are you there yeah I'm my computer's going dead actually and I've got to plug it in okay um oh yeah like us it just takes away like they don't have as much I don't know brain power to expel as us so us like give at least giving them like do you want this or do you want this that helps too actually with with my kids, you know, like it's 
obviously not the easiest thing in the world to get your kids to eat, you know, healthier foods. So I'm like, I give mine options. Do you want this one or do you want this one? And that almost always helps. Yeah. And I, I think that's important too. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. I think that's really important too, when it comes to just development with children, they don't, they don't have that ability to even, they like, my son has no idea what's in my kitchen. Right. So I'm like, Hey, what do you want? He's like, I don't know. Cause he doesn't know what's in my kitchen. Right. And so, you know, being able to narrow down options is so nice because you're still allowing them to make a choice for themselves, but yeah. you're narrowing that down to where, you know, you kind of have control and they have control too. That is really important in trying to help your children um, choose and pick even healthier options, you know? I mean, that's just a great parenting. Like that's probably the yeah. most impactful parenting advice. I've and that goes for done. a lot of things, you know, exactly. just even clothes like, or yep. what do you want to do today? Like, they're like, I have no, what are my, I have no idea. I don't even know what my options are. Yeah. And even you when know, it's today's like, a day off or a school day, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's like, they're in a breakdown, it's like, here's your two options. You yeah. choose this or you choose this. We mm-hmm. had a parenting therapist teach us that. I was like, wow. <laughs> when I remember to use it, it works so perfectly. Yeah. Usually. Um, so yeah, not all at once, right? Like you swap out as you run out and you do the best with what you have available to you. You keep doing the research to empower yourself. And also in regard to like accessibility, um, there's Thrive Market, which is an online grocery store where you can get all of your dry goods. Um, and the price is great and they actually price match. So if you can find it somewhere cheaper, they will match your price. Um, and it's just a small like monthly membership and it ships to you and it's great. Have you, you've, have you ever used Thrive Market? No, I haven't. Um, I did use it, but I just have so much accessible to me. It, it makes sense yeah. to shop locally. But um, a lot of people I know love it and use it and they have their own branded products too, which are always clean and um, taste good. And then if you don't have a lot of local farmers to get meat and stuff, you can do, um, there's a, a company called Butcher Box, which does clean meats that they ship to you. My sister does that. Um, and several people I know use that. And there's a couple more options out there like that. So, um, yeah. And then usually you can find organic fresh vegetables in most grocery stores, maybe not an abundance of them, but frozen is okay. Um, frozen vegetables canned would be like the bottom, my last choice, but it's okay. Like if that's literally all you have, it's okay. And that's my message. It's like, again, you do the best you can with what you have and you be okay with that. And that's why we say so often that this is a journey. Number one, you're not going to know everything immediately. And number two, you're not going to be able to immediately flip your life upside down to, you know, make it all happen. And, you know, I always say, as long as you like this whole 80, 20 thing at first I was so against it. And now I'm like, okay, this is way more realistic. Like 
controlling what you're eating at home. Like for me, every single thing in this house is clean. It has clean ingredients. It's mostly everything's organic because we're like next level. We like to be extra. And I, I do, I'm very in the line with organic because if it's not organic, they're spraying synthetic herbicides and pesticides, um, specifically glyphosate, which is Roundup, which has, is recognized by the World Health Organization as a probable carcinogen. It mm-hmm. probably causes cancer and they're spraying it on our food. Um, and it's banned in a lot of countries. It's banned in California. It's banned in Canada. So it's surely it's coming. Um, but you can use the EWG website and they have a list called the Dirty Dozen. So it'll tell you, they test the foods, the fruits and vegetables every season for how much um, pesticides and herbicides were present. And the dirty dozen tells you the ones that you should buy organic. And then there's a mm-hmm. clean 15 list that says these are the ones that are safe to buy non-organic. So that's super helpful and take some of the pressure off because yes, organic can be more expensive. Um, so that's a really good resource. What else? What else? Um, I would, I mean, I have a question. How much are uh, like, Whenever you are um, choosing, you know, your food for the day, how much food are you eating that is packaged Mm -hmm. compared to whole food that you're having to cook yourself? That's a good question. So like lifestyle wise, what does this look like? Right. So, I mean, we cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So same putting that out there. Yeah. Um, like it's not always consistent but we'll go out to eat like once a week or every two weeks once a month like it just depends on the season and how busy we are I mean that's where the whole 80 20 thing comes in right right like like you control what you have at home and then you're gonna have a social life and you're gonna live your life and you're not Mm -hmm. gonna make yourself sick over everything being perfect yeah Um, but what does a day look like in regard to packaged food so like today the for breakfast, what we had that came in a package was um, organic steel cut oats. So um, like, I know that those were grown out of the ground. They weren't sprayed with glyphosate and they, the way that they processed them was literally as minimally as it could get. Um, is it perfect? No, but it's, as, it's pretty close to whole. Um, so we had that and then we were slim pickings this morning. I mean, I guess our eggs, our eggs came in a curtain carton, but, um, well, so what I mean is just like easily accessible. So like snack stuff, Oh, okay. you know what I mean? Okay. So we did have like sausage packaged sausage. So processed meats, the only processed meats we use are like ones that are 100% grass fed and they don't have any um, like preservatives or added sugar. Um, so we do utilize those a lot for breakfast and lunch, like sausages. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even some clean hot dogs now, like cleaner yep. mm-hmm. um, by Applegate and a couple other brands. So we do yep. utilize those. And then that's mostly it. Um in regard to like snacks that's like in the house 
we all like chips. So we'll either do like, um, most of the time it's just torti- like blue corn tortilla chips, mm-hmm. which are literally impossible to find without an inflammatory oil. So that's just, yeah, we sometimes have, um, and then I like to buy Siete chips. So either the cassava ones or the potato ones, but they use avocado oil, which I so much appreciate. Mm-hmm. Wish they were organic. I so I messaged them on Instagram and asked them like if and when they plan to go organic. And they say it's not in their plans. And I'm like, what? But anyways, I buy a lot of Siete products um, for snacks. And... My kids, if there's snacks in the house, they will eat them. They'll immediately like, (laughs) (laughs) that's what happened today. Yeah. I try. I just don't keep them, you know, unless I know that I'm going to need to be packing lunches and stuff where Mm -hmm. that's necessary. That's just all they want to eat. And it's just Mm -hmm. gone so fast and it's way more expensive. Right. So So that was kind of the point I was getting at is that, you know, I know that we talked about, you know, trying to find a lot of these things. However, like the bulk of what we're eating is truly whole food. Like it's not coming from a package. We're not like going out and maybe in the beginning when you're trying to transition because you still want some like staple foods that you just want to have like a clean version of. But over time, like my breakfast is very routine. I sort of like stick to the same thing for like a month or so. And then I'll switch to something else just because I know that's fast and easy. I know how to make it. It's going to be what it is. It's predictable and satisfying and it's high protein. Yeah. And then my lunches are typically like leftovers that I'm making from dinner that I can just take to work. That's really easy. And then I try to save those for, uh, for my lunches. And then at night, if the nights that I'm able to, um, cook, then I'm just going to cook something really simple and easy. I have an air fryer that is, um, just a godsend. I mean, I don't know how people live without these things. And I know I, I talk about it all the time, but like I use mine every meal that I'm, I make it, I use it every morning for breakfast and definitely every night for dinner. And it's just so simple. A lot of my meals that I make have like, you know, I'm just like, um, protein in a vegetable and I don't make it complicated. I'm it's very simple. All of this can be cooked at the same time in my air fryer. Now, if I want to get fancy with something that's going to be like on a weekend where I have a little bit extra time to do it, but through the week, like chicken in an air fryer and some vegetables, you're done. Get like some sauces that you like, make them yourselves. I make all my own. I make most of my own condiments unless I can find, um, I can't think of the name right now, but what is the name of primal kitchen, primal kitchen. That's what most of my condiments come from. And then I don't like their ranch because it's super thin. And so I get these ranch packets from the co-op and I just make my own. That's a little bit thicker. And so, you know, it's really just trying to find what really you prefer and what you like. Cause like I said, having that ranch for me, I was like, this is like not enough on my on my vegetable because I'm like, it's like all dripped off, you know, before I can put it in my mouth. And so I'm not used to that. I want some thick. <laughs> and so we I, all have I preferences. I know exactly what you're talking about. Find your preference. 
even my son was like, what is this? You know, but, um, it's, it's really important. Just like trial and error. That's what all of this is for. It has been for us. And it's going to be for you because you have different preferences than we have, but it's kind of fun. Like my favorite time to go to the grocery store before I had my son was like a Friday night. Nobody's there. Go read your food labels. Then go read your food labels when nobody's at the grocery store. Sunday morning, first thing in the morning, seven, eight o'clock, nobody's at the grocery store. Go to the grocery store at those times so that you don't feel rushed Mm -hmm. so that you can. I mean, I remember one night I spent the whole night reading every single food label and I realized I can't have hardly anything. Yeah. And so this is when I started keto, you know, six, seven years ago, seven years ago. And I was able to identify the smaller grocery list that I was able to choose from. It made shopping so much easier because I'm shopping on the outside of the store. If I go in an aisle for anything, it's typically something for my son, but all of my food that I'm eating is on the outside. Yeah. And so maybe there's a couple of things like, you know, a canned olive right. or right, some right, pickles right. or something like that. Some but for the most part, it just simplifies what you're doing. And so that's, that definitely helped building up a list of the things that I could have. And then just, you don't have to worry about the rest. You're not shopping in the whole entire grocery store. So, yeah. And I mean, same for me. And now it's like, we just always have the same groceries. It's just the same list every time. And we go to the grocery store a lot more. I will say that I go to the grocery store, if not every day, every other day, that's not for everyone, but like our fresh, our vegetables don't say fresh, you know? So we just buy like two meals at a time. Um, yep. So that's, I enjoy going to groceries. Yeah. I probably go two or three times a week. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't work like full time out of the house, so I can just like go to the grocery store. I definitely don't think you need to go every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something, how many, how many jokes do we have about, you know, buying the food and just buying it to go bad? You know, I, it's been really nice to have a refrigerator where food doesn't really go bad anymore and you're not wasting, you know, and you're, I don't know. It's just, it feels like a pat, like a empowering experience to be able to say you can do that. You know, I know it does. I agree so much. And I also want to preface this of like, at first, if you decide, okay, you've learned all this, I'm ready to like eat clean. At first, if you're in, if you have been eating majority of these ultra processed foods, you're gonna hate your life for the first couple of days. Cause you're going to have withdrawal symptoms from yeah. the sugar and the flavors and all the stuff. Um, so, you know, if you guys are ready to do something like that, I, I do have a four week reset where people come together and do the reset together um, having that support is huge because it's hard to get through the first several days because it's very real withdrawal. Um, and then just learning how to sustain it and stay in a community of people who get it 
And then another thing is if you just want, like, if you don't want to join a group and do it, I have a guide that I created that explains all of the ingredients in depth. It's called the guide to healing food addiction. It really should be called like the guide to eating because healing food addiction is way more than just eating. Um, but this guide is really about clean eating, a lot of in-depth about all of the ingredients to avoid. And what's awesome is that there's a full grocery list. So like everything that I buy at the grocery store, I put on there. And then there's a crap ton of meal ideas for you guys. So it's like, it's $28 and it's like a 40 page guide. And um, it's a really great resource to have if you're like brand new to this information and you're like, oh God, what do I do? I took everything I've learned over the past two and a half years in regard to clean eating and I put it in this guide. So um, that'll be linked at the bottom. I just wanted to mention that because it can feel overwhelming. And if you guys wanna like get there faster, that's why I created that. Um, and yeah, so did you have anything else you wanted to add, Sandy? I don't think so. I mean, this, this is like, this is the foundation, you know, of sort of where to start. I mean, it's definitely, um, a mental journey. However, this information is so important because if you're doing both of them together at the same time, it kind of just flows, you know, you have this accountability and you have this desire to want to achieve your goals. And then you have the resources of the foods that are going to help you get there. And so it's just really nice to be able to kind of put the two together and understanding sort of the behaviors you've been going through in the past with food addiction and that it's really not been your fault. You know, we definitely experience trauma in our lives and it's you know, it just so happens that we unconsciously chose food to cope with, but, you know, our government does know that that's what a lot of us have chosen to do. And they've capitalized on that. And it's very unfortunate, but like I said earlier, knowledge is so powerful and knowing that that's the case. And that a lot of these foods have kept us in this trap longer than we've all wanted to be. You are now you know, have the resources and the tools to then make a choice to do something different. So that's really important. I'm so glad you said that, that the whole, it's not your fault statement. Yeah. So freeing for so many people, because when you're, when I was addicted to food, I was like, I want to stop eating this so bad. Why can't I stop? And it's makes you feel like, you're lazy or unmotivated or something's Mm -hmm. wrong with you and it's number one yes like Sammy said it's the trauma and number two when the food is designed to be addictive that is what happens where that's what addiction is you want to stop and you can't stop um so thank you so much for mentioning that and it really is another element of eating clean means that you have way clearer thinking and you have you have more energy, you have less fatigue, you have less anxiety, you have less depression. That was my experience. I'm not a doctor, but I've yet to talk to anyone who has switched to a clean diet and hasn't and had felt worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is terrible. <laughs> if you can make it through the first like three or four days, you break through and you feel like a million bucks and you don't want to stop. 
And the key to it is eating enough food because yeah, you're going to feel great, but if you're not eating enough food, eventually you're going to crash back down and you're going to start craving the crap again. Mm -hmm. So like Sammy mentioned her protein dense breakfast and that's something that gets missed a lot. It's like, yes, this is how you eat clean, but please eat plenty of food. Like do not um, deny yourself enough food. And when I say food, I mean, mainly protein and healthy fats and some vegetables. Yeah. Uh, Especially in the beginning, because, you know, if you're somebody who has been experiencing food addiction for a long time and the volume of the food that you're eating is, um, a large amount, then, you know, that's why this is also difficult when, you know, diet culture is not really supportive of our type of recovery where, you know, switch your food first. If you need to indulge in this food at the volume that you had been, have been consuming your food prior to this, do that. If that's what you need to do to sustain this lifestyle, do that. And then over time, the reduction of your volume can be adjusted. And that's also really important and something that we talk about because you can't do all of this in 10, 10 steps ahead. You know, you have to do it one step at a time. And if this first step that you decide is to change out all the foods that you have been consuming before, and now you're eating clean, that's a step that you need to take and, and practice it. You do that, eat the volume that you've been eating, whatever you're, you're choosing better options. You're actually probably not going to want to eat the volume that you've been eating. And that's kind of a, like a advantage to this situation is that when you're eating all these clean foods, you're actually going to feel that fullness and you're not going to have that empty sort of, you know, pit inside where you can just keep consuming because nothing that you were consuming was probably very nutrient dense. So when you're getting all these minerals and all these vitamins from the real food, you're like, oh, dang, I don't even need to finish this meal (laughs) or whatever it is. And you're no longer addicted to it, right? Like, right. Yeah. Like you'll cook food at the same, um, you know, I used to do this. I would cook the same amount of food that I would eat before. And I'm like, now I'm like, how in the, uh, there's no way I can eat that much or I can, uh, consume that because it, I don't know. I eat food on my plate now. Yes. Yes. Which is wild. And it's not because I'm like trying to, it's like, no, genuinely full. It's right. (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's a process that it, it took us a while to get to that point, you know, but that's part of it. And, and so don't feel, you know, like you've got to do all of this at the same time. It truly does come in baby steps and honor those, honor those baby steps and feel confident to be able to take the next step. Don't take the next step unless you feel confident too. Yeah. So yes, 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 yes. And you know, I'm just going to throw this in there. There has been um, a research study done on mice and they were studying the addictive properties of sugar. And it, it tells us that just like any other stimulant or addictive substance, it depletes our dopamine. So uh, ultra processed food is a very dopaminogenic substance. So it means dopamine hits like crazy as soon as it hits your tongue. And that's what Sammy said. It's more addictive than cocaine. Yes, because it hits our, our pleasure center of the brain faster than any other 
drug, cigarette, anything. And this research study they did was they took the sugar away and it took three weeks for the dopamine receptors to start healing. So when you're in active addiction, your dopamine receptors are not working properly because they're constantly being flooded with dopamine and they can't handle it because that's not what we are designed to take on. Um, and within three weeks, the, the mice's dopamine, mice's, the, how do you say that? The mice? mice? Or, yeah, no, you're right. Mice, just mice. The mice <laughs> dopamine receptors um, were healing. So that's scientific proof that abstinence is really powerful and that it works in actually healing our brain that is experiencing the addiction. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope when I share people with like, this is just another reason to remove the food from your diet, because then your brain is going to be working with you rather than against you because it's, it's been in this state of depletion of dopamine and it's been, um, addicted. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to add that. And I also, well, wanted- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. No, you So I was going to add that whenever, you know, anytime that we are ingesting any type of substance, whether this is drugs, um, whether this is um, alcohol, food, whatever, our body has a physiological response. And so, because it's trying to adapt to its new environment of the substance that it's, that it's now consuming. And so this is the same when we remove those substances. And so that's another reason why it's so important to do this in small steps, because our body needs time to adjust to these new physiological conditions. And so this is an example, like Bracey said, whenever you have this dopamine that's being flooded into your brain every day, and then you no longer have that you are going to feel like shit. Dopamine is the one that gives us the most pleasure. And whenever we start to reduce that intake or eliminate that intake, we go through this like crash phase. It's a depression. We don't have that excitement anymore. And so we have to allow our bodies to heal and our bodies want to be healthy. Given the right environment, our bodies can heal anything. And so what's that pretty quickly? And yes, and yes, and very quickly. And it is, it really is. And so being able to give it that time, we're not always going to feel the best whenever we're switching from a substance to eliminating a substance or to a different substance. And so like you keep saying that time is so important to, to like honor those baby steps honoring that time basically is what those yeah. do. And you can wean yourself off these things too. It's not like some people are ready to like go all in like, okay, I'm removing all of it and I'm going to do it for four weeks. And that's what the four week reset's all about. And then some people are like, no, I'm just going to like, like heal my addiction to soda first. And then I'm going to move on to the next thing. So that's super important to mention too. Like if you feel like it's going to work better for you if you wean yourself off slowly and swap out one thing at a time. Um, that is totally acceptable. Just know that it's going to take longer. And while you still have those things in your diet, you're still going to have the cravings. So that's just something to, to be aware of. Um, 
that's what would look different versus just going cold turkey. But everyone's personality type's different and what everyone's ready for is different. Um, but the goal is to get it out, get it out of there, you know, yeah. serve your body, honor your body. Um, and eventually you won't want it anymore. And that's, what's just so beautiful about it is like, we heal our brains, we heal our bodies, we heal that inner relationship with and the trauma we experienced and we change like we really become different in regard to what we want and um we become more committed or at least I did I became more committed to feeling good versus indulging in foods that I knew wouldn't make me feel good and it's been a journey and I eat food that's not perfect sometimes still and Sammy does too yeah but it's way more less often than it was very rarely out of compulsiveness Right. right. Yes. And that's the, that's the freedom yeah. where you, you don't have food that controls you, that you have control over those, those compulse, you know, those compulses. But it's funny that you say that about, um, you know, we do still, you know, eat foods that we shouldn't. I mean, I ate food this weekend. Like I had candy, my son's candy, but I had somebody send me, um, a picture of some diet. I don't know if Coke came out with a, a diet vanilla, I don't know, something. I don't remember what it was, but anyway, I had somebody send this to me the the other day and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so good. And they wanted to share it with me. And I was like, cause they know that, you know, I've been, you know, that I don't eat a lot of sugar and, but I actually haven't, I used to be like, so addicted to soda. Like I could not eat a meal without having a soda and a lot of it. And so I haven't had that much soda in the last probably two years. And it was so incredible for me to say that to this person that like, oh, well, that's cool. But I'm actually not, I, I wasn't enticed by it. I wasn't, I'm not, I haven't gone out and got one, you know, that was like last week. And, um, I'm really not that curious about it, but that was something that I discovered, like having a carbonated drink makes me feel not very good. I feel bloated and I really don't, I just drink tea and water now. And to be able to like have water with, you know, how you have certain meals that you have to have a soda with, or you have to have something with, you know, it is so crazy to me, even while I'm doing it, while I'm sitting there having that meal and I'm drinking my water yeah, and I'm like, this is not me, but it is. And it's so awesome. It's so awesome. Yes. And it it feels good. It's not like, I'm not like the whole time. I'm like, man, I wish I had a soda right now. You know, it's like, you're confident about the choice that you're making and you, in your, you like the food that you're eating. And I get to actually taste my food now because I'm not chugging a soda after every bite. And that's another kind of cool thing. You get to discover different flavors that you like. Cause you're not, cons- you know, pairing it with other stuff. Yeah. And your taste buds will start to change. So if you've been eating a lot of highly palatable foods, like soda and other fried goodnessy things, yes. um, it, it hijacks your taste buds and it messes yes. with your brain chemistry, the way that your taste buds communicate with your brain. And 
that your taste buds will start to go back to how they were originally before you were we were exposed to these things um and foods taste different so at first like certain foods might not taste good to you um or a lot like for me i hated vegetables like i hated vegetables i hated um like when i would eat a salad growing up i would legitimately gag when i was trying to eat it and I still don't love salad. Like, yeah. I make a salad in a way that I do like it now. I do love salad. Like, it was bad. Yeah. yeah. How I would gag. Like I would not even consider even eating an asparagus. Right. Like, there's just no way because I grew up on canned green beans and canned peas and my taste buds just had no idea how to palate something that wasn't that palatable like it didn't light up my brain like a freaking Christmas tree when I yeah. ate it so it didn't taste good and the point I'm making is your taste buds will change you'll start to enjoy fresh yeah the foods that you don't look at as tasting good and they taste good now to me yeah and you reduce that um this is a huge one but like my I have a protein powder that I just recently purchased and like it's too sweet for me, even though it, it's sugar alcohols. And, um, so it's, it's honestly, it's not clean, but it doesn't have the carbs and the sugar in it. Right. And so I've been using this and it's so sweet and I'm almost like, I don't really want to finish it because it's, it's just not that enjoyable to me. Like I just need it like taken down a notch, but for people who are consuming that standard American diet where their sugar you know, expectation is higher. Right. That is like perfect for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's something that's really awesome is that when you start to, if you do like even the candy that I had this weekend, I'm like, this is too much. It blows your mind how that's just what you consumed all the time. My son, he said something about his, his mouth was hurting. from the candy that he was eating yesterday and I'm like yeah that's because it's it can burn your mouth and if you're growing up body yeah you're like I was saying earlier your body like physiologically adjusts to that to be able to consume all of those things and so then when you take it all out but then you put it back in and my son doesn't get sugar very much at all I'm just trying to be a nice, fun mom this weekend. Mm -hmm. And, and there are consequences. Yeah. And you don't know that until you eliminate it out of your diet and then you put it back in. And that's where you're like, no, this is worth it. Yeah. Yes. And that's like a whole other reason to eliminate the food so that then you have that experience of like, Oh, I thought I wanted this, but actually my body is telling me otherwise. Like it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't taste good. And that's part of the journey too. And that's why we always celebrate like having a slip up or whatever, because most of the time you're like, well, I didn't even really enjoy it. So I don't think I'm going to have it again. Um, Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. And there's just so much more we could talk about, but that's really in general, yeah. um, the subject of food. Um, it's pretty simple when you start to learn about ingredients 
and knowing what foods make you feel good and tapping in to that and being willing to let go of a lot of the packaged snacky convenience foods. So next week, I think we should talk about exercise if you're done with it, but that's just what I thought. I would love to. I love it. Yeah. I love exercise. Um, Something I have such a hard time not throwing in there where it's like, when you're going on this journey, some sort of movement is like so important. And it was for both of us. And we will tell you why next week. Perfect. (laughs) Well, we'll tell you guys next. We'll tell you all next week. We're going to sign off. And um, guys, we have another three-day boot camp happening in November. We had one, our first one ever this month in October. And our next one is November 18th, 18th. 19th, and 20th. A three-day mm-hmm. boot camp where you learn way more about food addiction, food, and how to put all of this into action in your life. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes too. And we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye.